Hi, my name is Augusta. What? Come on. <laughs> Hi, my name is Eva. No. <laughs> what? Oh, because I was touching my foot during it. <laughs> because because you 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 uh you you dipped I, out when I was doing the intro. I dove out of range. Of the <laughs> you said what? I, <laughs> wait, hold on. Don't look at I me! Said, don't look at me! Like, oh yeah, one second. <laughs> wait a second! Wait a second! Let me just quickly. I have to go down to the basement. I have to go down. For those at home, we're doing sight gags right now. This, this is, is a sight radio. gag. Eva I, has I, lowered her desk chair. Ruby is walking up and down. This. Oh my god. Oh, I'm sorry. Would you mind going down there and grabbing some more fire starter? Yeah, I can do that. Hold on. I'll, I'll be right back up. I'll be right back up. Wait, did you hear her? All right, my name's Augusta. My name's Eva. And we've got a special guest in the studio today. Yes! Yeah, hi, how you doing? Uh, I'm Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Uh, You want to introduce yourself to our audience of two people who both know you? (laughs) I mean, I could. I could introduce myself. That's... uh... Yeah, just give a little background on uh, uh, why you're here today. Well, uh... Just, like, start with the Big Bang and then, like, Adam and Eve or whatever. Right, yeah. Definitely include astrological information. It was the (laughs) 80s. My parents met, uh, you know, in in the great city. Actually, they did meet in New Jersey, so I guess that it all comes back to it. Um, Yeah, well, my name's Ruby, you know. I've known uh, these two goons for quite some time now, and I think the majority of the time that I've known them, I've tortured them, as I do with most people, with information about like incessant information about New Jersey, about the state that I grew up in. Um, I've been trying to break away from that mold in my adult life, and I just really have been failing because here I am back today um, to to talk about it. In this house, we stand New Jersey. Yeah, I'm extremely pro New Jersey, as you know. Well, anyway, you know, I've been I've been doing this whole thing where I, you know, for the for the listeners at home, I uh, I live in London now. I moved here few months ago um and I thought you know I'm moving to a new country no one knows what New Jersey is I don't need to like introduce myself every now and then as like that person and of course like literally what do I do as soon as I come here my accent I talk like Tony Soprano when I talk to people now I sound like James Gandolfini um it's so, and I like, I've been, I get into fights with people about geography and about food. And I just like, it's reprehensible what I've been getting up to here. I thought I was going to like. But not as reprehensible as an MBA. <laughs> not as reprehensible as pursuing an MBA, but pretty damn close <laughs> in, in the rankings of, uh, of things that, you know. Uh, send you straight to hell yeah we thought we would have you on the podcast today because we are hoping to kick off an arc about urban legends and as a new jersey i would say native expert and i think evan i was in sex symbol yeah legend (laughs) (laughs) i'll take that too yeah you are our go-to source for information about all the weird that happens in new jersey and a lot of weird happens in new jersey and a lot of it happens with the jersey devil and yeah. so we thought we would bring you on to give us a little bit of insight into this mysterious man creature. Right. Well, I mean, I know you guys asked me to think about, like, my personal relationship with this guy. Yeah. When would you say it was, like, the first time? Well, you know, how'd, the, you guys, how'd you guys were meet? made aware. Uh, yeah. I... Tell us about how you guys <laughs> met. Well, it's, a, you know, it's a funny story. It's a really, like, it's kind of a cute one. No, not really. Um, Clams. You know, the funny thing is, like, I, thinking about this for coming on here today it really is one of those things I don't remember ever not knowing where it was like if you grow up in New Jersey you have two urban legends or two like pieces of folklore that you just like you just know you don't know why you know them but you always do Jimmy Hoffa is buried in the Meadowlands somewhere under Giant Stadium even though they rebuilt it and they kind of dug it up um and you know what the Jersey Devil is so it was just always like this thing that we knew about and I think like I can speak to like points in my life where it was more prevalent <laughs> in my life than others. Cause like, I remember being a kid, like, so I grew up in uh, the Northern part of New Jersey, which is like what 
people typically think of when I think of the state. It's super densely populated, ton of people. Um, it's why we have so many votes in the electoral college. Like it's just us all <laughs> living on top of each other in the northern part of New Jersey. Um, but if you go to the southern part of the state, it's actually quite beautiful. And there's, you know, we could talk about that later, like the natural beauty of it. But um, I remember going on this field trip when I was little. They took us like down to the southern, down to the southern part of the state to go to this like corn maze in in autumn. I must have been like seven or eight. I don't know. And I just remember going through this corn maze and being convinced, absolutely convinced that the Jersey devil was somewhere in that maze and that he was hunting me. (laughs) Well, can you give us a little bit of background about what the Jersey devil is? Like what, what is the legend that is behind this legend? So there's variations on this legend, but the basic form of it, the one that I, I was told was that there's this woman down the pines, down the pine barrens, her name is Mother Leeds. She was a, this was like 18th century. Um, and she was having a rough go of it as a woman does in the 18th century. Um, so the legend that I know was one where that she was, she kept having children and life was very difficult. So by the time she was about to have her 13th child, as she was giving birth in her cabin in the middle of the Pine Barrens, she shouted, let this one be the devil. And you'll never guess what happened. (laughs) You'll never guess what happened next. She has the baby and it's the devil. And so it like, it it doesn't immediately leave them, but it does like, it starts nursing on her. And um, I think it like, you know, mutilates her body and the nursing thing. And it lives with the family for four years before it kills them all. And then just like fully becomes the creature that we know as, I think it was like humanoid for a while. And then it just gave way into like the form that I know it, which is goat face, bat wings, chicken legs. Chicken um, legs. I was serpent's curious. Tail. Serpent's yeah. tail. I was curious what the legs were supposed to be. I My guess is going to be switched. Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. But yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, I think they're yeah, chicken legs. Some people give them. Some people will say cloven hooves, but the feet are kind of the thing that's visually most up for interpretation. Okay, um, that's interesting. Wait, so it's goat head, bat wings, serpent's tail, chicken legs, chicken legs, or cloven hooves. So it's a chimera. It's like a demon person, but it's a chimera in some ways. Yeah, it's it's very like it's one of those classic demons that you know. I was thinking about this as well. Yeah, like a chimera or like El Chupacabra or whatever. That is just like. Right. A bunch of animal parts jackalope. sliced together into yeah, a jackalope, mm-hmm. which are real. Platypus. Um, yeah, platypus. <laughs> All these things platypus. like spliced together. And so, um, and yeah, so anyway, after it left, after it murdered its entire family, the Leeds family, it's pretty mm-hmm. much been haunting the Pine Barrens and the state of New Jersey since then, killing cattle, um, attacking campers, um, there were a couple mass hysterias that happened. I know, was it like 1909? There was a big one. Went all the way to like Delaware and Philly. So he was getting around. Um, so it's not geogra- it's not geographically locked to New Jersey. It is and it isn't. Like it's always, everyone knows that it's, so the scare, it was just like he was traveling. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like the Philly devil. You know, it was the knowledge that it was the Jersey devil, but he has wings. So he's like, you know commuting and what is his main he attacks people he eats people yeah he he attacks animals he attacks livestock uh he stalk he stalks people traveling through the pines because the you know the pine barrens are a very very dense wooded land um and it's actually quite intimidating to be there in the night and so you'll hear him like screaming and stuff um and just generally un- unsettling people. Just generally being unsettling. <laughs> like me, in many ways. I have a question about that. It's unusual to find a paranormal creature that both hunts those who intrude on his lands and travels to other lands. So that's really curious to me because those are usually um, not exclusive, but um, they're usually different. 
Well, I think that specific instance of, like, when he was popping around Philly and popping down in, like, Delaware and stuff, it was during... So what had happened was, like, they were starting to see all these sightings around, like, Camden, down South Jersey, and it literally became a mass hysteria. You had, like, hundreds of sightings in that year. So I think... This was 1909. Mm. Like, it was to the point where, like, uh, schools were being closed. People weren't going to work. There was, like, footsteps in the... People would, like, find footsteps in the snow. Um, There was a rumor that I think the zoo and, like, the zoo at the city of Philadelphia had, like, put out a reward to, like, someone who could catch him. Um... So I think the idea that he was in Delaware and Philly, which by the, are like the borders of New Jersey, um, and yeah, out in uh, Pennsylvania and Delaware, I think the idea was like those I would give less credence to. I think it was just like the hype got so blown out of proportion that like Delaware wanted to hop on it, you know? Because right. what else are we going to say about Delaware? <laughs> LOL. I have another question about the Jersey Devil. Is it that he looks, is it that he's an animal beast, creature, humanoid thing? He's bipedal. And he's then bipedal. he has wings, right? Yes. So the front wings aren't legs. No, no, no. He he has like little like raptor arm, like a raptor arm situation. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. He has a raptor arm. Because I was going to ask in uh, in terms of the nature of the paranormal creature and like chimera versus is he a creature and when you describe him you say like oh his head looks like that of a goat or is he literally in the style of frankenstein the head of a goat the body of a horse the wings of a bat chin kinling i think like my the visual picture i have in my head it's like all those elements flow together but they are usually like pretty like distinctly like oh yeah that's some kind of okay so it's like a chimera where like it grows that way it's not like a beastly it's not not like a i mean it is grotesque in in but But not not, like lovecraft's no not lovecraftian but it's i think it's the idea is that it it does look semi if you were to cite it it would look semi-natural in the element it's not (laughs) sewn together together. it's not sewn together okay there's no seams on the Jersey no, because Devil. I was curious if it was like constructed or if it was like. I mean, my I mean, understanding of it, him. and maybe this is wrong, right? Is that the devil made him, and so he is okay. he takes on demonic aspects, and all of those things okay. have demonic aspects. I'm not entirely yeah. sure about what demonic aspects a chicken has personally, but like oh. <laughs> interpersonally, yes, I have interpersonally, <laughs> yes, but yeah, like so the size of a chicken. Uh. Like bat wings, Excuse? that's classic. Goat head, that's classic. Yeah, yeah the Serpent. eyes. Serpent. Sorpame. Sorpame. And off the cloven hooves. Yeah. Right. Or chicken Sorry, legs. I probably shouldn't say sorpent on the podcast. Sorpent tail. They sorpent tail. Slimpery. He's always slimper. Loving this. Loving, loving this. That's my cat voice for those listening at home who don't. Uh, for the don't fans. Internet cat. So, I maybe this is something that's beyond the scope, but Ruby, you recommended to me a couple years ago this book about the Pine Barrens, yes. which I read. That was yes. very, very interesting. And I don't remember all of it because it was a few years ago, but it talked a lot about the specific cultural geography of the Pine Barrens and how it has like a large cultural imagination yeah. in New Jersey. And I'm wondering how you feel like that's tied to this idea of the Jersey devil because oh, I know absolutely. it originates in the Pine Barrens. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the thing about the Pine Barrens, which is so, um, so like I said, you have this image in your head of New Jersey. It's like, you know, industrial, it's factories, it's, fumes and like Bayonne boxes and it's ugly and like word it is I love it but it is but the Pine Barrens in the southern part of the state it's over like 600,000 acres of these giant ancient pine trees and it's this very flat land there's not really it's not mountainous so there's like these few towers and stuff that you can climb up and you just see like swaths of endless pine trees um it was never it's called the pine barrens also because it was never like fully fully settled the way other areas was because the sand that the soil there is very sandy it's called like um it's very acidic but 
it's also at the same time like the water there is super there's this giant aquifer underneath it so the water there is super potable um and it's just this like yeah it's this kind of like a geographic anomaly in the state um and the people who lived there who settled it to the point it was so barren that like there was never even fully like um an in like an indigenous population that lived mm-hmm. there and settled there which is a bit unusual um but when it did start to get settled um by europeans it ended up being like a lot of like um tories that were fleeing persecution during the civil war like hessian deserters um mm-hmm. like quakers that failed at being quakers <laughs> didn't that, that, that was part of it oh runaway, my god yeah runaway, runaway slaves. quakers yeah runaway oh, quakers yeah runaway quakers but then also like runaway slaves and then um lenny lenape who were displaced and mm-hmm. then moved into the pine barrens because of european mm-hmm. settlement so it was this like weird mixture of pretty much anyone who lived there were people that were going going there not to be found you know yeah a lot of really fascinating american lore comes from these places that are already the displaced among you know what i mean what is considered a relatively new place i mean obviously the white people when they like the white people who come to america they are not the only thing that whatever they're not the only people in america but in this like era of like right after colonial where like uh whatever his name like ran away to found rhode island and like um the indigenous populations yeah, John Williams, but everyone no. was named John Williams. I thought it was Roger Roy, Williams. Roger Williams, I was going to say. Yeah. His name, wait, his I was name was Roy Rhode Rogers. Island? Little known fact, New Jersey was founded by a man named Jeffrey Jersey. No shit. Oh, it's not named after a man named Jeffrey Jersey. <laughs> 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 what the fuck was I saying? Oh, in these moments where, like, like when Roger Williams left the Massachusetts and then the Connecticut colonies to found his own colony and indigenous populations were just beginning to be displaced um that's like the origin of a lot of super creepy american lore obviously roanoke being the big one that comes Mm. to mind yeah no that's i mean that's a big part of and that that lore has kind of like um even hundreds of years afterwards that's still like very much attached to a large part of the the pine barrens like there's this famous um it's always been this reputation of like pineys are their own thing. They have this own specific culture mm-hmm. um, that's very other from everyone else. And there was this mm-hmm. like faux, basically the sham anthropological study that was done. Oh God, when was it done? During like the golden age of like shitty anthropology. Armchair you know? anthropology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So this um, this woman, Tyler. She, and yeah, yeah, yeah. This woman. 2014 she went down to 2018. To the, the years I attended Barnard. <laughs> Oh, those are fighting words. Shots fired. This woman, she went down to the Pine Barrens and she did this, uh, she did this study on a family down in the Pine Barrens. Um, she named them the Kalakak family. And it basically said like, basically invented this family that was supposed to be these inbred backwoods, Mm. you know, monstrous people think like, the Hills Have Eyes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind yep. of like weird incestuous yep. backwoods family. Mm-hmm. Effectively made them out, out of thin air for a fake anthropological study, but it did like a tremendous amount of damage to the cultural reputation of the Pine Barrens and is like still a sticking point to people today mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. still kind of like a part of the reputation. Like people are like, oh yeah, Pineys are fucking weird. Like, you know, remember the Calicacs and all that stuff. So, um, there is, I think there's value to understanding that, like, it's a place where people went to hide and get away, but I think there's a mm-hmm. certain amount of, like, stay out, this element of, like, please stay out of this area if you're going to come and do that kind of shit, which mm-hmm. I think makes legends and and realistic monsters, of course, very real monsters, yeah. like the Jersey Devil, um, quite prevalent and almost, like, useful tools of like stay out we've got a devil here yeah but I, also, I, mean? I also wonder if that devil reflects some of that either self mythology or like state mythology right because if the devil is this kind of cobbled together physically impossible i mean there's a lot of incest anxiety in new that jersey? legend if you want to view it oh. through that <laughs> in new jersey i don't i'm sure, i would not <laughs> no, know about that i was that. just going to say that that it very much uh it, it 
rang that little bell in the back of my head too for incest anxiety. Yeah, incest anxiety. 13th child that's all messed up and cannot live and is of the devil and kills the family. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to need you guys to like back up that there's an anthropological concept called like incest anxiety that both of you were just immediately like, ding. Well, in anthropology. (laughs) I don't know her personally. In anthropology, there's a certain school of thought. And you're going to have to forgive me for not remembering the correct anthropologist that it, this originates from, but I know that Joseph Radcliffe incest. Brown wrote <laughs> That's what it's called, the incest anxiety. Road incest. Yeah. <laughs> the state of Rhode Island and the Providence incestuous. Um, uh. The incestuous plantation. Um, uh... The incest is the ultimate and the original and the only universal taboo. Mm. So I would not say that that's a hundo P correct, but for a long time, that was like a guiding principle of anthropology was that like the one thing you can't do is have a child with your sister. And that's the only thing that connects all of humanity together. Well, Um, and that like, that is a lot of what, I mean, there's a lot of different anthropological theories on this, but like that a lot of the reason that human society, you know, a lot of anthropology because mm -hmm. it's cross-cultural is like, why do many societies around the globe that in theory have not had contact with each other in living or even like historical memory, although of course, Mm -hmm all descended from the same place at some point, but like we're split up so long ago. Why do many of them mimic each other in structure? Why is human society similar around the world? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's different, but why is it also similar? That seems inexplicable, right? And, and particularly family structure. Right. And so part of the usefulness of the incest theory and the incest taboo is like the only thing that's really unacceptable across culturally is that it explains marriage because Mm-hmm. you can't marry within a family if a family is a safe mm-hmm. group why wouldn't you just marry with like why wouldn't you just marry within the family why don't the kids marry each other because yeah. of the incest taboo and so i think the idea of incest anxiety i don't i think the term incest anxiety is not something that i studied extensively but that being like that you can imagine that in various cultures there are various myths that prevent or prohibit incest like um donkey skin that german myth about uh, the father who wants to marry the daughter like that there there is mythic structure that exists that is anti-incest in many 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 cultures and so i think putting those two things together for me is maybe a useful way of thinking about this that's very interesting i would have never thought of that in the context of the jersey devil you know um i mean and you know to to a certain extent i i worry about i worry about that as well just in terms of like um yeah, it's connection, specifically the the way that these stereotypes about incest and and that kind of inbreeding have played into the reputation of the pine barrens. Like, I certainly don't want to mm-hmm. feel as though, you know, perpetuating that. But I do wonder. Yeah, I I wonder if they go hand in hand. That kind of like weird, um, or if if one fed into the other. Because obviously, the Jersey Devil predated this Calicac study, but you know. I wonder if that, yeah, if someone read into that and was like. Well, isn't part of the idea with the Pine Barrens, I mean, this is what I read in that John McPhee book, which was fascinating, Mm -hmm. and I'll put in the episode notes. Shout out to John McPhee. Great book. But part of what he said is that what differentiates the Pine Barrens from a lot of the surrounding areas is that the families have been there for many generations. Yeah. A lot of Pineys are like, their families are ancient. And so that's another reason why I maybe connect it with this is that. Yeah. There's not a lot of inside-outside mixing, which is a very... Well, there is and there isn't. You know, it's not completely closed off. and But I do think there's, to a certain extent... And to a certain extent, I think it's probably more of one of those communities where it, it was one of those where it's like... The thing about the fact that the families were so defined is I think what's interesting about it is it's definitely one of those places where, like, people know everyone's family's history, you know? Mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. follow back and be like oh yeah that's the third cousin cousin of this or that you know like or that family did this a hundred years ago which is not necessarily something that I would have had in the towns that I was growing up in um which I think weirdly enough is its own way of preventing actual incest or actual mm-hmm. like bottlenecking because it's a weird it's like actually keeping track of family lineages 
in a, in a way that we don't necessarily do when we're in a place where that's not a concern. I think um, the reference to the incest anxiety in the Jersey devil uh, in, in like in talking about the Jersey devil legend is not to say that that means incest <laughs> was happening. It's to say that that means incest wasn't happening. It was a like, or, It doesn't yeah. mean that to like, to analyze the Jersey devil uh, or whatever, to understand the Jersey devil story as an incest anxiety doesn't imply either that it is or like that there is incest or that it is an incest. It, it only implies that there is enough knowledge of the concept of incest for it to be talked about right. and that the perception is negative. Right. And that I think when you analyze any mythic story, you have to understand like any mythic structure, any mythic story with, uh, with a villain, like, or, you know, a demonic presence we're trying to understand Mm -hmm. where the what what is at the heart of that fear right where does it originate its power so like with the haunted dolls right with the haunted dolls it's like this idea of possess like a human looking vessel but a very inhuman form right that Mm -hmm. has there's an ancient tension to that like that Mm -hmm. taps into something very human fear and so i'm thinking maybe with the jersey devil that's part of it of course part Mm -hmm. of it is just the fear of i mean the fear of the devil that shouldn't be discounted mm-hmm. either absolutely and the fear of being rejected as a stranger i mean mm-hmm. i think to a certain extent it also to me plays into this kind of um healthy respect for wilderness in a weird way you know because the other mm-hmm. thing that separates the pine barrens from say like yeah the areas that i grew up in which are just so developed and consistently developed and kind of just the I grew up in just sprawl um and so the idea that there's still this part of New Jersey which is largely undeveloped in ways they've been very very you know there's a lot of like um protected forests and land and um the state of New Jersey even every now and then someone will try and be like oh we're gonna build a an airport or we're gonna build a pipeline and there'll be a battle for it but by and large, it's it's been largely conserved, and you hear this is like this is like the proper piney, you know, a proper pineys have like a real relationship with the pine barrens that like an outsider wouldn't have. Like a proper piney is someone who can like apparently go into the woods, um, and they'll those woods that again have no defining. It's just flat land. They can get lost and find they won't get lost because they can just sit down think for a minute and then walk out exactly where they plan to. Like there's much more of a sense of connection to that land, which I feel like plays into that weird reverence for it, but also a fear of it. Cause if you mm-hmm. destroy it, what are you unleashing? I don't know. Right. And if you destroy it, you, I think at least partially would be destroying like the protection or the separation or the definition Mm. of yourself from other places or yourself from other families. Yeah. I'm really curious because so far we've talked about North Jersey versus South Jersey in the context, like the cultural context of the Jersey devil. I'm curious what it feels like to you um, as somebody from New Jersey, what it feels like in the context of inside New Jersey and outside of New Jersey does that play differently than North versus South Jersey when you're inside it? That's how I, I mean, mean probably. Me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause I feel quite possessive of it, but it's not my regional mm-hmm. thing. It mm-hmm. is. And it isn't because obviously like, you know, the Jersey devil, it's New Jersey's thing. We have a hockey team named after it, you know, mm-hmm. like we're very proud of it. Um, but I would also know enough to be like, he's not going to pop up in like, you know, Hudson County, He's not right. going to pop up in Hoboken anytime soon, you know, like he's, right. not, he's not doing that. But um, mm-hmm. like his boundaries are very clear to us, I think. Mm-hmm. With um, the exception of the rampages. With the exception of like 1909. Um, because... You know, I was talking to someone from New Jersey here mm-hmm. the other day, actually. And um, I think they, they were like, oh, yeah, the Jersey Devil, doesn't it live up in like the... So the northwestern part of the state is also wooded, but it's quite yeah. mountainous. It's technically part of, like, the Appalachian. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah, doesn't the Jersey Devil live, uh, does it live up there? And I was like, no, no, no. I mean, we all know it lives in the Pine Barrens. Like, and to the point where mm-hmm. it has, like, specific, you can even locate, like, specific important 
parts of the Pine Barrens and like places within it that are like significant to the um, legend of the Jersey Devil. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I, I guess to to your point, it's like like I said earlier, when I think of like my folklore of like where I grew up, it's the Pine Barrens and Jimmy Hoffa. And mm-hmm. I feel quite possessive of both of those things, even though, you know, I'm not a piney. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's also no, interesting. It's mm-hmm. interesting when I was doing some research on the Jersey Devil, just to give myself a little sense of it. What it said was that etymologically, originally it was called the Leeds Devil, like the family yeah. that it came from. Then it was called the Pine Devil, like the Pine Barrens, and then it was called the Jersey Devil. Then we claimed. So it, it. seems like <laughs> we just took it. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's influence and it's identifier expands slowly. Yeah, and also, like, probably as other local mythologies fall away, as the world becomes more interconnected. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just a guess, but it seems like these more and more localized phenomena become more and more identified with the character of a place as the Absolutely. character of a place becomes more diffuse mm-hmm. and the world just becomes bigger. Right. I think that's, that's part and of the reason... And becomes a brand. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason that I feel so, like fond of and defensive of <laughs> defensive of the jersey devil you know against all of its attackers against the people coming Free at the it. jersey devil yeah. <laughs> um but to you know cuz i think you know we are at a point with the internet not to be that old person but you know the mm-hmm. this obsession with um cryptids and like mothman yeah. and uh navajo the skinwalkers like the way that that information now gets disseminated so people just know about all yeah. this stuff and this was something that, like, to be organically brought up with the legends of, of knowing about, it feels quite special to still have that. To still have, mm-hmm. like, some connection to, like, I am a part of this folklore because this was how I learned about it. I didn't learn about it from the internet. I learned about it from, you know, the people mm-hmm. around me and from growing up in this environment. Um, I think that's that's part of the reason that I feel so closely associated with And then later on, like, you know... Um, we have in New Jersey, we have this great uh, publication called Weird New Jersey that started as a zine. And what effectively mm-hmm. it is, is an oral history of all of the random myths and legends and weird things in the state. You know, it's just mm-hmm. these guys that they go through all the things that we have, all the hauntings, all the ghosts, and people just write in and say, this was my experience with it back in 72 or this or that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, having those types of um record like feeling that you're a part of something culturally rather than just like I know about this because I read about it on the internet like it Mm because you feel like you get more distance from that type of folklore but this is something Mm -hmm. that you know like I have my own little Jersey Devil story it's not a good one Mm -hmm. but it makes me feel close to it have you or anyone you know ever seen the Jersey Devil that was my next question too well I felt like I did when I was in that corn maze (laughs) Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who's the closest person to you that you know that has seen it oh um i would have been a teacher i had actually Mm -hmm. because i had a few teachers uh, in high school that were like from south jersey Mm -hmm. and so they would see them Mm -hmm. um and you know um uh, yeah so that that's kind of it it's a I would be like, it, I associate it a lot with like people of my parents' generation as well. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of like that when I think about folklore in the state, it's somehow always the 1970s because it's like my parents, or, like my dad's friends and his generation in this, like teenagers in the 70s mm-hmm. doing like the man, man hook car door hook hand. Can I grill you a little stuff. bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, no, I'm not... You're going to grill me. All right. I mean, I'm ready. Not anything bad. I just have a series of questions I want to ask you, and some of them are harder than others. Um, So, there's a lot of cultural, like, analysis about America that says that there was such a significant trauma in the nation associated with the period of time of World War II that mm. it bred the horrors of the 70s and 80s. Specifically, people talk about that a lot with um, serial killers and um, mass crimes. So, like, going from, like, Manson Summer all the way through to, like, Summer of Sam. 
pretty sure those were about 10 years apart, unless mm. they're the same summer, in which case holler at me. Um, <laughs> no, I think they're 10 years apart. Um, but also to things like the birth of a lot of um, really upsetting urban legends. Right. So I'm curious when you say that you associate it with people in your dad's generation, I'm curious about who you in general, like who sees the Jersey devil? Is right. it specific to people of that generation? Does it have a gendered quality? Oh, no, no, no. I think it's, um, it's definitely not generation generationally specific. Um, mm-hmm. cause you get a lot of like older, old, old timers too. I mean, okay. um, it's, it's, Jersey Devil sightings, like, they come in waves. They happen all the time. They're pretty... Like, they come in ebbs and flows. Like, there's periods Mm -hmm. of hysteria, like, 1909, but then there's also, like, I think there was waves of it in the 30s and the 50s. Um, There was a really... It came back into my life, like, five years ago, I think, actually. Someone recorded a video. It was, like, the most hoaxy little video, but it made its way Mm -hmm. around, like, um, all the NJ, like, news sites and stuff. Because it was just this, actually, it was quite delightful. It's, like, this beautiful dusk sky with the silhouetted treetops, and it just, like, flutters across the air. The Jersey Devil Mm -hmm. just kind of flutters across the air, and the person holding the camera just goes, wow, like like a really soft, like, oh. Mm -hmm. It's it's almost a calming video to me. It's Hmm. fake as hell. It's so (laughs) fake, because, like, the neck and the legs of the creature do not move, even though its little wings are flapping. Um... So these sightings are pretty, I feel like they're pretty consistent over. Interesting. Over yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about, um, I mean, I don't generally lend myself to being um, like particularly reductionist to historical events. Um, I just think it's interesting in the sphere of like the paranormal mm. and uh, and like traumatic expression in that way. Um, 1909, famously the year that psychology also first arrived in the United States. <laughs> so th- I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it's just interesting that then that was the year that there was an outbreak of Jersey Devil sightings. You decide um, if they, like if they connect Freudian idea. Well, the Freudian idea of the incest anxiety literally, like, had just come to America, like that spring, like Taft was a, a Appointed president. What's it called when you sign in as president? Like when you sign the guest log. Taft was inaugurated, and uh, <laughs> and log. Freud came to <laughs> and Freud came to America for the first time. I'm serious. Those were like the two things that happened in 1909. So it's just funny that the incest taboo came up in the first place. Which also the incest taboo was hugely relevant in um, early colonial days too, mm. mostly in the Puritan areas, but um. And then here it is again, the next time that America has a, cl- a close brush with the incest anxiety, we have the Jersey Devil again. Again, that doesn't mean that that's what the Jersey Devil is about. I'm just pointing out that those things happen at the same time. Well, I have more also, questions, but Gus looks poised. I was just going to say, thinking about what you're saying about like cultural reasons for why it pops up when it does, it seems like pre-1900, a lot of the Jersey Devil sightings, based on what I read, are it's not that it attacks people it's that it attacks and kills livestock yeah and thinking about Mm -hmm. the devil this idea that there is okay so Mm -hmm. we have this incredibly inhospitable piece of land Mm -hmm. that even people indigenous to the region don't want to live in because it's really dangerous Mm -hmm. and sucks to live there and it's really hard to like keep yourself alive there and then people on the run settle there and they are trying to make a life for themselves in this incredibly hard difficult bitter area and now we have Mm -hmm. a a devil, an evil creature, that its entire role is that it kills your livelihood. Yeah. Mm, that's right? fascinating. It seems like that pre, pre-1900, at least, a lot of the sightings of the Jersey Devil that I was able to find were like, I saw it killing my chickens. I saw it killing my pigs. Like, yeah, I saw exactly. it ripping up the so insides a, of a dog. It's a different type of anxiety. It's more of a survivalist mm-hmm bent as well because the stakes are higher when it's like you're living kind of isolated in the woods and someone kills all your chickens Mm -hmm. it's also interesting that the hold on one second (laughs) while my brain purrs a little bit 
Okay, it's interesting the degrees of separation that the damage to the livestock caused by the devil is from the land. It's not a thing that's always been there as, in, as far as anyone in human history can remember. It's not like the chupacabra, an indigenous species. It's something that was created by a person who was, was created, whatever happened to a person that was living off the land. And it's an autonomous singular creature that then does this because it was invoked to the world um because the burden i just think that's distinctive from the chupacabra yeah and because the burden on this woman to raise another child was too great in this environment i mean that's the whole legend right is that the 13th child she wasn't gonna be able to care for she was like let it be the devil Mm -hmm. and it was Mm -hmm. i mean that seems like there's so much survivalism to that but then as you enter into Mm -hmm. a much more industrial age it seems like what the devil represents becomes very different i mean i know that some Mm -hmm. of the modern I'm sure there are modern legends of it killing like dogs and cats. Ruby, I read your yeah, script absolutely. about the Jersey Devil, which is fabulous, <laughs> and talked about that. Mm-hmm. I read many drafts of that script. Great script. Out but All right. a lot of it is more like the Jersey Devil attacks hikers, the Jersey Devil attacks, you know, people who are lost. Like a lot more yeah. of those modern myths yeah. you get where it's like a nice high school yes. couple drives off the road and then they see a house yes, with the light, like exactly. way more of that yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Or like, mm-hmm. it's a lot of nowadays, and especially because I was, I did go back and read all like the weird New Jersey, like I was saying, so they're like collected oral histories of like the people that submit their stories. And a lot of it is like, I went on a camping trip when I was a teenager um, and I was from like a shore town or I was from up north. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them are from the pines, but a lot of it was also like people yeah. not from the pines Personal that like place. went in yeah, camping and was like, something happened outside my tent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that was their story. So I, I definitely think it is interesting to see how the, the narratives around it have yeah. shifted. It's interesting that it's not a defender of, uh, like, it's a danger to outsiders, but it's not a defender of the area. It's it's equally pestilent, He's I just guess, a guy. To the people who are there. Yeah. He's just he's a just, guy. But he's not like... He's not like killing sinners who come from the city or something. He's just a dude. Like, you know, he's just chaotic. Yeah. You know, there's another part of this legend, because I know I mentioned that there's, like, regional identity, like, not even regional, mm-hmm. but specific places located, like, associated with him. And, I yeah, I didn't mention that. <laughs> you just kind of dropped that without. But there's Aww. there's another, um, so there's this, like, um, in the Pines, there's this place called, like, the Blue Hole. And if you look it up, if you Google it, there's going to be you're going to get two different things. Cause one of which is like just an old quarry that's filled in. So it's like quite blue and it's like a large swimming hole. But then there's this other like small body of water deep in the pines. That's called the blue hole. And it's weird. <laughs> it's weird in the context of the pines because all the, because of all the trees and like the cedar and the tannins and whatnot, um, the water is typically quite brown there. You know, it's got that, like it's that tannin water. But mm-hmm. so there's this like still body of water that's perfectly clear in the middle of the Pine Barrens and it's doesn't have any currents. It's probably groundwater is what it is, but there's mm-hmm. like um, quicksand, sugar, soil, sugar sand at the bottom of it. And so mm-hmm. there's all these legends about people drowning in there and getting dragged down by like these weird sudden whirlpools. Or, like, by these hands that kind of reach out and grab people and pull down. Um, so, like, the legends are all, like, don't swim there. It's going to kill you. Even though it's, again, a very clear and not particularly super deep body of water. Um, and not large either. But it's also meant to be, like, the watering hole of the Jersey Devil. So Okay. I was going to ask, is the idea that it's him or is the idea that it's a place so evil and foul that there are other entities that I think are it's also a mixture dangerous. of both. Okay. It's a mixture because some people say like, oh, it's the Jersey Devil claiming prey. Like I think some people combine mm-hmm. the two in terms of like it's the Jersey Devil that's under there grabbing people. Mm-hmm. And for some people it's like a separate So he has the gills entity. of a fish also. No, <laughs> I mean he's um, like, you know, he's had a lot of time to develop his lung capacity. He's been around for a couple hundred years. He was now. a band kid. Has, um, um so then Earlier you said what something where you said that's what I would say to someone who to the people who are attacking the Jersey Devil. <laughs> and I know you didn't mean that literally, 
but I am curious what your experience with skeptics is uh, uh, in terms of the Jersey Devil. Like, is there a counter lore in New Jersey that's like people who don't believe in the Jersey Devil? And what oh, does that look like? Yeah, I mean, the counter lore just is just people that's like, it's a myth, you know? Um, so so there, their explanations. You know there, is, there is like a counter lore in terms of like the origin story. Mm-hmm. I know there's this one guy who works, not one guy. I mean, I, I sound like it's just like one guy on the internet. There's a, there's a professor at one of the, the small colleges in New Jersey who he's kind of like the main source, I think, of like the skepticism in that um, he's connected the story of Mother Leeds to, because the Leeds family is real. Um, mm-hmm. They are a real historical Real family. by what? They are, by what documentation? The Leeds, in, in the sense that like, there are the still census? people named Leeds there, as okay. well as like that is like an established piney name, and right. there was specifically there was a Leeds family that was quite prominent, and they had this almanac that they made that like rivaled Ben Franklin's almanac, and he was like rivals with this family. Wow, um, fascinating! So they were totally a prominent family. They were a prominent. Yeah, family. they were pretty prominent, and so the idea was that I think their almanac was a bit more like. Um, not occult based, but I think it had more like mm-hmm. pagan derived elements mm-hmm. and more of these kind of like supernatural elements. And so mm-hmm. sometimes there's the idea that um, I think his this man's um, hypothesis is that the myth of the of of the Leeds Devil specifically mm-hmm. comes from like the kind of um, way that this family was. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? derided yeah derided in the community um for their kind of out there history but it's it's really it's funny because that that's kind of something i only recently learned about and prepping for this i like you know rechecked the wikipedia page of the jersey devil and there's a whole new section on it that i feel like this one guy he just added it on there just talking about that it's yeah so i think there's also should have mentioned that earlier so that's kind of the main, like, oh, the Jersey Devil isn't real thing. But at the same time, like, mm-hmm. I, I suppose just with who I am, I'm a skeptical person by nature, but I choose, every day I wake up and I choose to believe in the Jersey Devil. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's the you nature of I mean? faith. Yeah. It's, a rep- it's a repetitive, tro- not a repetitive choice. It's a constant affirming. Yeah. Of the, of... And I am constantly affirming that in my day to day life. Affirming the Jersey Devil. <laughs> I'm I mean, we affirm the Jersey Devil. We affirm the Jersey Devil. I'm just curious. Yeah. It's curious to hear about the people who either don't believe it or have counter lore or whatever because the idea that the legend comes from. A, di- a family that could barely provide for itself and then the counter lore of not liking it is a professor and ben franklin it's yeah. like very, <laughs> yeah. i mean it says something about how new jersey feels about itself in the context of like the eastern seaboard yeah so the leeds family they were responsible for this almanac that was like a rival to ben franklin's almanac but um, theirs was a lot more based in like kind of a cultish um, pagan knowledge not like it was super sinful or anything but I think just like relative to the time people were like this is witchy so um, mm-hmm. I think as a result of being like rivals to Ben Franklin and also having this kind of weird occult association they were uh, slightly outcasted by the community the Leeds family and so there's an idea that like the the Leeds Devil is was kind of like a punishment for was kind of like uh, an extension of their sullied reputation, you know. To to wrap up, I just want to ask you, what about the Jersey Devil do you associate most with Jersey Pride? Like, what about it are you proud of? Not just that it's yours, but like right. Um. Well, I think. You know, it's hard to put your finger on what makes you so proud of it other than, like, you know, that kind of kinship of we created this. Um, There's a grotesqueness to it, which feels like whenever I talk about 
New Jersey with people, especially like, you know, people who've never been there and actually maybe more so people who have been there. It always feels like I'm on like the defense, you know, like I think people sometimes, you know, I get as I as I get older in life and more well traveled, somehow I feel like I come off as more provincial because I become a lot more like regionally uh, mm-hmm. loyal. I feel that. Yeah, it's so, really funny. In a weird relate. way, yeah, in a weird way, like having this kind of like beast that we, this grotesque beast that you know we have willed into existence by sheer, um, by like you know some throwaway comment that some pregnant woman made um that feels very, sometimes that feels very representative of what if what it feels like to be someone from new jersey abroad like you just say some like shitty stuff all, every now and then and um you know yeah you're a little bit trashy i don't you know it's it's this one wild thing that we have mm-hmm. we don't have it our, our reputation in the world is not is not that is not this like mystical mythical lore Mm. we're like this trashy industrial wasteland is what how people see us and so to have this kind of like one thing that is not only ours but is does feel quite otherworldly we it doesn't feel like we we were really allowed to have that in new jersey like like i said and i know that i've said it quite a few times if between this and like the myth of jimmy hoffa being buried you know, under a football stadium, those are our two myths. And they're so, so different. And I think both of them are really indicative of what New Jersey culture is and what people think of us. But yeah, having this kind of one like historical thing, this thing that feels quite old relative to um, the rest of the history of the state, that's always been like a really nice thing to latch onto. Like we have a culture, we're not just like, we didn't just pop up in the 20th century and, and build a bunch of Bayonne boxes and bury people under football stadiums. Wow, of course I have to leave in 15 minutes and you've just said the single most interesting thing I've heard <laughs> in days. The feeling that you're, the feeling that you as a place are not permitted to have a certain kind of legend is beyond fascinating. We should do a part two. I would love to. I could talk well, about fire. we're gonna have Ruby back. <laughs> exactly. Ruby, I hope that you'll talk more about this feeling of, of how a place is allowed to feel or how it's allowed to talk about itself. Oh, I hope absolutely. you'll continue talking about that on our, um, on our subsequent episodes. This is the reveal. We're bringing Ruby on as a consultant, as a as an expert witness about Mm. urban legends, uh, paranormal urban legends, for the next at least three episodes, maybe four or five. Hopefully not more than that, because I get bored quick. (laughs) Bored me. At some point, Eva's gonna be like on air, like oof. Yeah. Oi. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. You know, I'm always happy Thank to talk so about this. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been the Phenomena Podcast. Y'all take care. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have a game called Quakers Meeting First to Talk Gets Punched as a child? Absolutely not, Eva. Absolutely oh, it's no, a Massachusetts I've never heard of that. <laughs> you have a quiet game. Yeah, it's the quiet game, but the first person to talk gets punched. <laughs> Quakers meeting, first talk is punched. No, absolutely not. Alright, come